Alan Winston here, co-host of Bar Crow Radio Podcast. It was a cold and windy Monday morning, November 14th, 2022. We were across the street from the United Nations. A group of U.S. veterans, most with combat experience, were building a watchtower made out of a 20-foot-high painter's scaffold on top of the city patio overlooking the Isaiah Wall and Peace Monument to call out to the UN and COP27 over there in Egypt that a large part of the world's climate crisis was and is caused by the U.S. military. trying to hold militaries accountable to report a mission. We don't even know how much they're emitting, but our best calculations are they're the highest institutional emitter of carbon. Our own U.S. military is killing us. That's what it amounts to. They're making sure that our children and grandchildren don't have a future on this earth. And if we don't stop militarism, we don't stop climate crisis. I, I was in Iraq. I was a sniper. I was a cavalry scout. I fought in a war for oil. You know, we're talking about emissions here mostly today, but the U.S. military is engaged in extractive colonialism all over the world. The, the war I fought in was a war for oil. I was protecting BP and Exxon interests all over the world. I was an economic hitman, just like Smedley Butler said. I fought, I fought a war for corporations. I was a hired goon. That's what our U.S. military is doing right now all over the world. I was, I was at a war for oil and my buddies were dying and we were decimating communities and families over there for corporate profit. The corporations were making money hand over fist and destroying our climate and we're here to pay the toll. You know, we, we don't have time left. We have to act now. You know, we're in a, we're in a watchtower up here trying to hold vigilance on our, on our leaders, trying to make sure that they do the right thing because this is the closest I could get to Egypt in COP27 to try to have impact. So hopefully they're hearing us. Hopefully they see us because the time to act is now. The, there is a rising tide and we must rise with it. That was the voice of Garrett Rebenhagen, an American veteran who served in the U.S. Army as a cavalry scout sniper for the 1st Infantry Division, deployed to Kosovo and Iraq. And today is the executive director of the National Veterans for Peace. That day, I spoke with several former American soldiers at the Veterans for Peace rally across from the United Nations. Each spoke against the insanity of war that makes enormous profits for a few and of the U.S. military's complicity in the climate disaster. Their military experience taught them to fight for peace. Let's begin with Garrett. I handed him the mic as he sat atop a 20-foot-high watchtower overlooking the Isaiah Wall across from the United Nations. I don't want to drop the mic. Yeah, I'll hand the mic. And we're now up in the tower. Oh, my God. Here, here you go. Hey, my name is Garrett Reppenhagen. I'm the executive director of Veterans for Peace. I served in Iraq as a cavalry scout and sniper with the uh, Big Red One, 1st Army Infantry, and uh, I'm here at the UN headquarters in New York City. We're asking uh, militaries 
uh, especially the U.S. military, to report carbon emissions. Uh, they're actually mandated to do so, but there's no oversight in making sure that they follow through with this effort. Uh, but our best estimates, they are the largest institutional climate emitter in the world. That means our own military, the U.S. military, is slowly killing us. Because uh, if we don't solve the, the, the militarism problem, we're not going to solve the climate issue. And uh, our U.S. military is involved in extractive colonialism all over the world to, to open up fossil fuels and protect fossil fuel resources. They, they protect the transportation of fossil fuel uh, around the world. They uh, actively engage in suppressing local communities from trying to fight corporations or na nations from extracting fossil fuel in their nations, just like here in the United States at, at Line 3 and at Standing Rock and places like that where indigenous communities are trying to stand up to the U.S. military. And uh, they monopolize all the money for any green solutions. All of our tax resources goes to the military and not to the green economy. And uh, we're not going to solve this problem. So militarism fuels the climate crisis. So we need to stop wars and save climate. And Garrett, where are we right now? Right now we are at the U.N. headquarters. We're across the street. I'm about 40 feet up from uh, the Ralph Bunch Park across from the U.N. headquarters in a watchtower because we're holding vigilance. Uh, we're holding watch on, our, on, our, on the U.N. and on our, the U.S. climate leaders at COP27 in Egypt right now. This is about the closest I can get uh, to COP27 in Egypt, which is uh, not very accessible to, uh, to protesters anyways. So I'm using my First Amendment right here in the United States that supposedly I, I've been told that I was protecting as a military service member. I don't really believe that, but I might as well use that power while I have it here in the United States and try to try to make some change. So I'm at the UN headquarters trying to- uh, Unpermitted, we, uh, we built a, a watchtower based off a of painter scaffolding um, and we, we hung some banners on it uh, talking about the, the UN and the responsibilities uh, the, in, in the accountability we want to hold the military. And uh, yeah, this is, this is basically a costume. It's a prop uh, for our protest. But it looks, it looks very serious. Uh, it's got some big, big banners that we hand-painted. Uh, camouflage netting over the top and a VFP flag. So um, we'll see how long it takes before the cops start harassing us and want to take this thing down. Garrett, thank you so much. I don't think I can hang out here anymore. <laughs> awesome, thank but you. I'm going to climb back down. Thank right. you. I'm Ellen Barfield from Stolen Piscataway Land, which is Baltimore, Maryland. I'm a member of Veterans for Peace, been involved in the planning of this action. It is so dreadfully important to challenge the U.S. government and the U.S. military. The U.S. is the biggest contributor to climate change, even by what it admits climate catastrophe it's not change anymore and the military the u.s military is by far the biggest contributor of all the militaries and that is not reported and that's part of why we're here is because it has to be reported to the climate mechanism that the united nations has. the u.s at kyoto insisted the military missions not be required to be reported and they haven't reported them ever since some nations voluntarily do but of course the u.s doesn't they must and they must begin to reduce both the militarism and the climate catastrophe. And that's why we're here. Well, I mainly work with an organization called Beyond Extreme Energy, which for about 10 years now has challenged the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, which doesn't regulate it rubber stamps. We've had a, a member just do some research that shows that in the last few years, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission has approved enough natural gas, so-called natural gas, liquefied natural gas, 
facilities, which leak at every joint, we know that, to emit enough methane that it is equivalent to more than two new, coal, new average sized coal plants in every state. And that is, has been my focus, is that the FERC has got to stop being in bed with the fossil fuel industry. And what we're trying to create is the Federal Renewable Energy Commission that actually facilitates the transition which we must have to green energy. What do you think this action is going to do to push your agenda? <laughs> well, I don't think the folks at the mission or the folks at the UN either one are going to go, wow, they're right, we should do the right thing. But every little bit helps, every push, and especially right now during COP27. We hope we get some attention from some other folks too, not just you great alternative media people. Ellen Barfield, thank you very much for talking with us. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jim Ryan. I'm uh, living now in Detroit, Michigan. I'm one of the co-founders of the Climate Crisis and Militarism Project within Veterans for Peace. So we're observing the UN uh, to tell them to tell all militaries, especially the United States, that they should report their admissions to the IPCC, just like uh, countries do, with their nationally determined contributions and uh, the reporting. So coming up with a reduction plan and reporting admissions, uh, because like the United States is uh, one of the United States military, if it were a country, would be ranked within the top 50 emitters in the world. And wh wh what does it say on your sign? Well, uh, it says, uh, uh, let's see, what, let, me, let me go over there and look at it. because sure, uh, I'll go with you. So what does it say? It says, uh, UN, uh, tell militaries, report and reduce emissions, stop the war, save the climate. This is a, a national project that we're working on, stop the war, save the climate, uh, or stop wars, save the climate. And... Uh, because we figure that, you know, we end militarism, we have a lot better chance of uh, uh, mitigating climate change. Without that, I don't know how we're going to do it. This is part of a national project. Uh, we've had uh, events in San Francisco. Uh, of course, two days uh, on the 11th, Armistice Day, and on the 12th, uh, we had actions in, uh, in D.C. We've had actions uh, in D.C. In, in August. Uh, where we were arrested. Uh, I was in an action with uh, uh, Elliot Adams, who's behind me right now. We were arrested in Lansing uh, back in September, blocking the highway. I think they were uh, in downtown Lansing. I think they might have arrested us because they weren't used to seeing two old white guys without long guns. We were unarmed, of course, because Veterans for Peace did not uh, deal with uh, firearms at, at, uh, at events. So, uh, If you have children or grandchildren, uh, you need to worry about climate change, and if you're worried about climate change, you need to worry about the military's contribution. Not only does the military emit directly, the industrial complex that's supporting it, you would essentially, so the emissions would be triple of what the, the, the military is reporting because it's all that support structure, the manufacturing, uh, all those things. Now, there are groups over at uh, uh, COP27 now, and that's the reason why we're doing this now, and that's the reason why we're here. We didn't want to go to Egypt. We couldn't do this in Egypt. We'd be dead by now. Uh, you think literally? We could, well, I mean, if we wanted to erect a tower in uh, Sharm el Sheikh, I would imagine we would be carted off very quickly. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, very repressive there. Uh, I mean, there's what, I think 60,000 uh, 
prisoners of conscience or political prisoners in Egypt right now. So that's why we're here. In fact, we're going to be back next year during COP28 because it's going to be even in a worse place. It's going to be in the United Arab Emirates. So, but there are groups over there. There's uh, the Conflict and Environment Observatory, CEOBS, and they're pushing the same message over there for the EU and for other countries to have militaries report their emissions. And that's what we need. Not, in, I mean, we're, we're making traction slowly. So like a lot of environmental groups weren't even talking about militarism a few years ago. And it's not just us, but uh, like I said, the group over in the UK, uh, CEOBS, uh, and a lot of other organizations. There was the No War, No Warming March in, in last, I think it was last March, that Veterans for Peace, the chapter here was involved in. So the environmental, Organizations are starting to realize that they need to include military in their messaging. So I, I think we're slowly making progress, yes. And there is actually, in the National Defense Authorization Act, the, uh, uh, the militaries are reporting their emissions, even though they're not reporting them publicly. Uh, and they have come up with emission plans, but uh, they are... Uh, highly aspirational and short on detail. So we were involved, uh, our group, Veterans for Peace, and we were involved with Barbara Lee. We submitted a, or she submitted a resolution, which we helped with, to call for the military, the Department of Defense, to uh, report their emissions and to uh, come up with uh, emission plans. And while we were doing this, there was also folks within the staff of uh, 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 on the Armed Services Committee that were doing the same thing. So the messaging is out there. Uh, the Department of Defense is uh, mostly following executive orders on coming up with their emission reduction guidelines. And as we all know, executive orders change with the executive. So if we have a different executive in the White House, they're going to, you know, if it's a Republican, they're probably going to just say, well, for, just forget about it all, and the Department of Defense will do that. Veterans for Peace, how is Biden doing? Well, let's say he's better than the last one, but actually, uh, unfortunately, like with Ukraine, a lot of the conservatives are more peace-oriented than uh, the Democrats. So, yeah, we have a lot of issues with uh, President Biden. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. I next turn to Elliot Adams, Vietnam combatant and former head of the National Veterans for Peace organization. He has protested the use of military drones and in 2016 disrupted a Trump rally in Las Vegas. In 2014, Mr. Adams participated in a hunger strike to close down the prison base in Guantanamo. And uh, amongst his other accomplishments, Elliot is directly related to the second president of the United States. So I'm Elliot Adams. I'm with Veterans for Peace. Uh, back in the day, I uh, volunteered for the Army, served in Vietnam, Japan, Korea as Alaska, uh, as a paratrooper, um, and since recognized two things. One is that war is always wrong, and two, incidentally, they're always justifiable, but they're still wrong. And the other thing is, is that we cannot get, get control of the climate until we get control of war. War is the greatest uh, war, and the associated military uh, industrial complex is just, just as 
this huge destruction of the environment, just unbelievable destruction of the environment. So we need to stop the war and save the climate, both the two existential th threats we're, we're facing today. Do you think people realize what you're saying now, the link between militarism and climate change and climate disaster? I don't think they recognize that. I also think that they do not recognize that war is always a disaster. It, so think about it. You agree with me, right? War destroys soldiers, destroys the loved ones of soldiers, destroys civilians, destroys buildings, destroys infrastructure, mm -hmm. destroys children, destroys countries. That's all it does. No, it does two things. It does that and it makes few people a whole lot of money. There is no benefit for the people from war, period. In fact, when I ask people to justify war, they always turn to one war. They always turn to World War II, which was the greatest sales job in the history of the country. I mean, if you remember, during World War II, they hired every, every playwright, every film person, every poet, every cartoonist, every artist, every author, everybody, put them in, put them in big buildings and had them start promoting war. And they did an excellent job. Uh, no, I don't believe people understand either that war is always wrong and bad for the people. Or, and they also re don't realize that the war machine is a huge uh, source of, I mean, just unbelievable source of environmental disaster. It always has been, always will be. At every stage, I mean, there is the petroleum use, there is the destruction of land. I mean, you get in, I've done it. You get in, you get in into an APC and you just start running the shit over. Um, the, um, just because you can. Uh, look what we did in World War II to the, to, to the, to the uh, Pacific Islands. We just demolished them. Um, so, and, and I mean we demolished them to, make, to build runways besides demolishing the ones we bombed. Um, so that I think that recognizing that war is always bad, always bad. You can always justify it, but it's always bad. So we need to stop war, abolish war. War does not solve conflicts. We know how to solve conflicts. This war does not produce national security. We know how to produce national security. Was there any moment in your military career when you said, I, I, this is not right? Well, yes, there are many, but you see what you do. You see this is not right, or that's not right, or this is not right, or that's not right. And when I came out after all that, I wasn't ready to say that all war is stupid. General Eisenhower framed war quickly. He just quote, he said, look, I hate war as only a soldier who has lived it, who has lived it can, who has seen its brutality, its futility, and its stupidity. He summed up war in, one, in three words, brutal, futile, and stupid. Now, did I come out of, the war, out of the Army knowing that? No. I should have, but I didn't. But it took, but it took me a while to process that and, and understand, wait a minute, this whole thing is, is, is stupid. I mean, the best thing I can say for war is it's stupid. That leaves out all the huge destruction and, and, and devastation that it, that, it uncover, that it brings at every single level. You know veterans who disagree with you. What do you say to them? Same thing. Um, most of them, it's really interesting. There's this divide between the combat vets and the non-combat vets. Combat vets generally are anti-war. The non-combat vets are suffering from not PTSD. They're suffering from survival guilt. They're driven by this survival guilt to say, rah, rah, military, rah, rah, this, you know, rah, rah. So they're driven by that. And, of course, we're, we, the combat vets, are much the smaller number. But I've learned over time to recognize that they have their own disease. 
and one more level of destruction by the military. Um, yeah, so um, you have to help them come along. Um, you have to give them room to understand that um, that I am, just because I serve in combat in multiple places, I'm not better than they are. Uh, I am better than they are in that I now recognize that war is wrong, just as those who were conscientious objectors and didn't serve were better than I am because they figured it out without having, to, without having to go kill people to do it. Who came up with this idea of putting up a, um, a guard post in front of the UN with your sign on it? Um, that was not me. I think it, that, that was Garrett and, and, and the group. I mean, a watchtower is a thing we use in the military uh, to look for it. So we're, it's a symbol of, of, tr of being visible and trying to look for um, s somebody who will, who will take the action necessary, necessary not only to abolish, to abolish the wars and to save the climate, but to save the planet. I mean, well, actually, we aren't saving the planet. The planet will be fine, but to save human life on the planet. A watchtower is also to look for the enemy. Who's the enemy here? The enemy gets to choose who they are. Those, those are they who uh, ignore. There's two levels. There's, there's those who actively are uh, destroying the environment by promoting uh, natural gas, by promoting, by, by promoting fossil fuel, by using very inefficient cars, by needless chips. But there are also um, those who are guilty too because, because they haven't recognized, they haven't taken time to realize that what they do makes a difference. Uh, and that if that silence is the voice of complicity. So if they are not speaking out ag against uh, the uh, uh, global climate change, the disaster we're faced, then they are Just involved. as when I was in the military, because I wasn't speaking out against the military, because I hadn't become a CO, I was part of the problem. And I honestly, I feel I owe the world reparations for my actions. Actually, I was committing a war crime just by being present in those countries because we were not, we did not have a legal ground to be there. I watched people talking about, about the war in Ukraine and they talk about the terrible things that are happening, the war crimes. Look, if you, if you support a war, that's what you're supporting. You're, every war is full of war crimes on all sides. Uh, every war is full of just heinous destruction. Um, and that's the problem is you have, people have to recognize that after World War II, people realize that. I mean, I can remember when I can remember when World War II ended, and my family, my family wasn't wasn't talking about victory; they were talking about "Thank God it's over." And that's what most people were. So what happens is you see these happen when you get these wars, and these people start raising flags and saying "Rah, rah, 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 rah," until they all finally get good and sick and tired of the disgusting, dis despicable nature of war, and then they, and then they stop it. We do what we can. Uh, at every point, you, we don't want to be part of the silent, of, of the uh, complicit silent, silent people. We have to speak out. Does that mean? Uh, does that mean we succeed or don't succeed? You succeed because you have to speak out. Elliot Adams, thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah. And good luck. Finally, I spoke with Tarek Kal, a paratrooper in the U.S. Army from 1958 to 1961. He is editor of Peace and Planet News. Tarek has been jailed for his protests against U.S. militarism, and he is a former board member 
of Veterans for Peace. Okay, my name is uh, Tara Kauf, and I'm with Veterans for Peace. And why am I here? I'm going to make it real simple for you, okay? The U.S. war machine, the military, the war production, all of this is destroying this planet for life on Earth. So they're endangering us in, in two ways. They, they, they either wage war or proxy wars, and there's a nuclear threat. Right now they're challenging Russia and China. This is insanity. I mean, we're talking about insanity. You're playing with nuclear weapons, but besides that, the environmental damage that the U.S. military does is immense. We have something like over 800 bases around the world, plus we have almost 300 in the United States, and almost all of them are leaking toxic materials into the environment that won't be cleaned up because the Pentagon is not responsible for any of this stuff. No one holds the Pentagon responsible for what they're doing, not for the emissions, not for anything. You know, so we have to stand up. Well, there's depleted uranium. There's Agent Orange, which is still destroying and warping life in Vietnam and in the U.S. There's also this foam, this firefighting foam, PSFAs, which are polluting the water and polluting the air all over the place because they use it all over. They use it for training, and it's loaded with toxic stuff, and you can't get rid of it. I don't think we need this kind of military to protect our borders. I really don't believe in that. I don't think we need a military, especially overseas, to wage wars. Look at the destruction that we've caused all over. I mean, all over the planet, from Korea to Vietnam to Kosovo, Syria, and now what's going on in, in the Ukraine, provoking and keeping facilitating this war by sending weapons over there. These weapons don't bring peace. Weapons, you're never going to find peace by, by sending billions of dollars of weapons. And when you're sending those billions of dollars of weapons and you can't afford services here in this country for people, medical, you name it, you know, school, the infrastructure, none of that goes to that. We have people, we have veterans starving on the streets. We have any city you go to in the United States, you will find homeless veterans as well as other homeless people. Why are there homeless people in this country? You have $60 billion to send over there in weaponry so that Raytheon and the other uh, munitions companies, the other weapons companies can make a fortune? And we're starving over here, and we're doing without. It's just totally wrong. It's a, and meanwhile, while all that money is going into weaponry and, and war, what's going into the climate? Where's the money for the climate? Where's the money to eradicate hunger, thirst, all of that? doesn't exist. You're a veteran, yes? Yes, I'm a veteran. I'm old enough to be, I was in for three and a half years. I was in the 101st Airborne Division. That's Airborne Infantry, you know, paratroopers. And uh, I got out in the middle of 1962 after three and a half miserable years. And when I got out, I realized what we were doing in Vietnam, and that's when I became an activist, because I saw it was absolutely horrible. And I was so grateful that I did not go. Did not How did you become who you are? Well, eventually you see through the lies, hopefully, your eyes open, you realize that a soldier you were betrayed from A to Z, you were lied to, and the guys who went to Vietnam, 
they realized it, and many of them are coming back from I Iraq and Afghanistan, friends of mine, they realized how betrayed they were once they were over there. And there's so many suicides today. We lost more in suicides from Vietnam than we lost in Vietnam. Way, way more. And it's still, and it's going on and on because people can't live with what they did. There's something called moral injury. You know you were something, part of something wrong and you can't hide from it. And maybe you did wrong or maybe you saw wrong and you didn't stop it. It's very difficult. You know, I have friends who have to live with that. And the way that they live with it is by being active for peace, by doing something for peace. My friend Matt, Matt Ho, who's running for Senate in North Carolina, you might know the name, he's running on the Green Party for Senate. He was a captain in Iraq, he was with the State Department in Afghanistan. He not only has PTSD, he has traumatic brain injury from the explosions, right? But the worst thing that he has is the moral injury. And we were in Palestine together, and when he saw the bulldozers that were destroying houses in Palestine, it just tore him up. Because he used the same bulldozers in Iraq to do similar things. You know, so these guys have to live with that, and many of them can't. I'm sure you have relationships with veterans who uh, disagree with you. What do you say to them? I say, you gotta start thinking critically. You gotta start asking questions. Does this make sense? war after war after war. I mean, what, what, have, what have we accomplished? You know, what are we doing? You know, you got to think of it from a deeper level, from a human level. You know, this is wrong. Raw, war, you know what? It is not worth the life of one child to be waging war. And look at all the children. There's over a million children have been killed so far in the Middle East because of these wars. Over a million. Is it worth it? Is it worth the life of even one child to be dropping bombs that tear people apart limb by limb? You know, people glorify war, but they don't see the reality of war. They don't want to look at the reality of war, and they don't want to show you that, unless it's what the Russians are doing. Then you could see plenty of it, okay? Because, but what we did in Iraq, what we did in Afghanistan, what we did in all those countries, oh no, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see the limbs torn off the bodies of children. And many of my friends have seen it in person. It's horrible, it's horrific. War is not cool. It is not something to be glorified. And you don't have to thank us for our service because we didn't serve the public. We didn't serve the cause of peace. We didn't serve the cause of sustainability. Just the opposite. And what war is for? To make the rich richer is what it does. It's a profit-making enterprise. Smedley Butler said it. He said I was a gangster for capitalism. Absolutely, right? I don't know what else I can say. <laughs> Tarek Kauf, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. We must end militarism once and for all, or we're all going to die. I don't want my eight-year-old to grow up in a world filled with famine and drought and climate refugees and more war. The military is admitting carbon and killing the climate. Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, all the military industrial complexes are going to continue to get rich off of our suffering. So here we are at the UN headquarters, and uh, let's hold this space as long as we can, and uh, let's raise hell, everyone, because there's, there's not another chance. So thanks, everyone. And people start raising flags and saying rah, 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 until they all finally get good and sick and tired of the disgusting, dis despicable nature of war, and then, they, and then they stop it. 